Hello and welcome. I'm Sean and this is another episode of Been There, Seen That. Welcome back to today's episode. Today we are discussing Avatar The Way of Water. Today's episode is going to be a little bit different, so Catherine is actually not with me today. I will be doing this episode solo, and I do have a few surprises along the way, but Catherine actually had a scheduling conflict and was not able to make the time to see this movie. As you know, it is a very lengthy film. It takes about four hours of your day out, and she also has no interest in Avatar. It's a very unique take, in my opinion. I know other people that don't like Avatar, but she like doesn't like Avatar, specifically the first one. She has no interest in seeing the second one, and she didn't have time to. But I do have some of her thoughts without having seen it, and I will be happy to share those later. But in the meantime, we are going to be going over the plot of Avatar The Way of Water and a little bit of Avatar 2007, the original one, in great detail today. So if you guys haven't seen those and you don't want those spoiled, then we recommend that you stop here, give them a watch, and come back. And if you do that, we'll see you next week. If not, let's start. So when Avatar came out for the first time in 2007, I don't know about you guys, but I remember... The first time I saw it was actually one of the first movies I was allowed to see by myself. Like my parents started getting cool with the concept of dropping me off to a movie and picking me up after. So I messaged one of my buddies, Tyler, and we decided to meet up at our local movie theater. And I really liked that movie theater too, side note, but it was a family owned movie theater in Ocoee, Florida called West Orange 5. Some of you guys may have been there, but it is really just, I, I like family operated and small businesses in comparison to like a corporate feel like when I go to AMC, it's like entirely different feeling. So I just have really happy memories. But I remember very vividly seeing Avatar. And that was the first movie that I got to see there. And it started becoming like a thing me and my buddy Tyler every weekend would go and see a movie there and talk about it. And sometimes like other friends would come, of course, too. But Avatar for me was big. Like when it came out, It's all I was talking about. I had the movie poster hanging up in my bedroom. I had it on DVD. I think I still do. I'd have to find it. But it was just for the first time, I finally had seen visual 3D effects to the extent and expectation that I had wanted in film. And I feel like it kind of paved the way. We hadn't really seen a ton of use of 3D technology. And all of a sudden, there was this huge demand for it because Avatar made it look so gorgeous and attainable and all of a sudden everything started coming out but the difference between avatar and some other films and in comparison to the general 3d released films some films are shot with cameras that are used for 3d others are converted in post-production and you can really tell the difference we'll talk about that when we get into today's film because avatar the way of water does a great technique and a great job at capturing everything and everything you see in this film incredibly was actually performed like it's not really computer generated i mean they use motion capture suits but the actors were actually like in tanks of water doing all these actions they weren't with all these green screens around them and you can really tell when they do something like that i mean you want to look at like aquaman or something and that is extensive use of green screen so um let's talk about the plot a little bit I mean, let's start with the plot of the first film. So 
if you haven't seen Avatar summed up, it follows Jake Sully, who is a paraplegic Marine, and he's shipped off to this planet Pandora. And he's basically introduced to this Avatar program where they link him to this genetically engineered body that is linked and designed to look and act like the native species of this planet Pandora. And that species would be the Navi, and they are the native people. And Jake ends up getting lost in the jungle one night. He stumbles into the Navi tribe and gains their trust. And little does he know that the company he's working for is trying to basically bulldoze their entire home. Pandora is very nature-oriented. It's gorgeous when you watch it. And I mean, I'm guessing if you're listening to this episode, you've probably at least seen like pictures or clips from Avatar. It's incredible. And so the humans are trying to destroy it basically because there is this substance called unobtainium and it is very rare and very valuable back on Earth. And that's the common theme. I mean, it happens again in Avatar The Way of Water, where they're mining a source of Pandora to try and send it back home for a large profit. And I mean, that's not cool. But Jake basically bonds with the Navi and he ends up learning their ways and gaining their trust. And through this, when he realizes the plan to bulldoze their entire like village in the forest, he sides with them. And so he is conflicted and the movie ultimately ends with him being forever linked to his avatar. He goes through this process with their spiritual guide, Ewa, and his spirit is essentially transported into his genetically engineered avatar's body. And the film literally just ends with his eyes opening up. So the possibilities were endless and they've announced the avatar sequels. They announced like five of them, I think. And it was taking years for them to come out. So when we finally got Avatar The Way of Water at the end of last year, it was a really big deal. And I think that for me personally, it was worth the wait. I don't think my first screening of it was great, but that was because the only screening that I wanted to see it in was Dolby 3. That was like, I have to see that first because it's my favorite format. You can call me weird for having a format preference, but it was the format I wanted to see it in first. The first showing they did of Dolby 3D near me was at midnight and the movie is three and a half hours. So my friends and I went and I can tell you that it was very long, that viewing. But then I went again, fully recharged at a more reasonable hour, loved it was a lot more engaged in the story. And again, you just are mesmerized by everything going on around you. It is so pretty and you just feel like you're transported, like you're so immersed. And some people actually, it's controversial. Some people don't like how immersive it feels. And I know Catherine specifically is one of those people. She doesn't like 3D movies, but I think they give her like a headache or something, but she has no interest in them. And other people as well. I mean, I know when the first Avatar came out, they use high frame rate to make things look more realistic, but it really bugs some people and it makes some people feel like sick and stuff. So it was really interesting to see the use of that. But anyways, going back to the plot, we are left with this openless possibility of story to come. And I didn't know where the story was going after Avatar 1. So let's talk about Avatar The Way of Water. And mind you, it's important to note that this is now a decade later, like the first Avatar movie, and it still stands the test of time. They did a re-release of it, and I actually went and saw it, which had a first look at Avatar The Way of Water, and it stands the test of time. Like the effects of the first Avatar movie are honestly better than some of the effects I'm seeing today. So I think it really just is passion and care for the craftsmanship and the art instead of just like talking about Marvel as we always do here, just rushing everything and not really caring to take the time to make it look good, it really makes a difference. And Avatar is a great example of that. 
But yes, Avatar The Way of Water. We open and it is also over a decade later in the story. It doesn't pick up right where it leaves off. And we kind of see what Jake and Natiri, who is the leader of the Navi tribe, who Jake ends up falling in love with in the first movie, have been up to. And they now have kids. They have a family. Grace, who complicated history with her, she was working as a scientist with the humans. She had done a lot of work with the Avatar program because she also had an Avatar herself. But in their rebellion against the humans to try and save the Na'vi, she ended up passing. They wanted to put her spirit into her Avatar body, but Ewa rejected it. However, we have a new character in this movie, Kiri, who is her Avatar's daughter. So when Grace was in her Avatar body, she was pregnant. The real Grace died but the Avatar body still had Kiri. And so they like incubate it in this tube because some of the humans are still on Pandora. At the end of Avatar, all the bad humans basically got kicked out and the good humans stay to study it and try and just like, I don't know, they, ma they made friends. Like again, not all of them are bad people, but Kiri is Grace's daughter and Jake and Tiri have kind of taken her in as their own adopted daughter. So that's a really special relationship. And an interesting thing about that technology is Sigourney Weaver actually plays Kiri. Sigourney Weaver played Grace. So it's a full-grown woman playing a 14-year-old girl. You need to suspend disbelief a little bit. I mean, you can hear Sigourney Weaver's voice, but for the most part, she does a really good job, I feel like, at playing like a 14-year-old girl. The interesting thing, though, is there's another guy, Spider, who is the son of the villain in the first movie, and the villain comes back, actually, in this movie, as an avatar. So it turns out that the humans from the first movie had taken DNA samples of themselves and created avatars to send back to Pandora because the Navi in general are built differently than humans. First, they're like seven feet tall and they also have really strong like skull system. So they're very hard to kill and like very powerful. They were very easily overthrowing the humans in the first movie, but now they're coming back in avatar bodies. So it kind of ups the stakes here, but for the most part, the plot is fairly similar in the aspect that they are going to learn the ways of a new tribe. So back to their kids, they also have their own kids that are biologically theirs, and that includes their oldest son, Nateum, their middle child, Loak, and their daughter, Tuk. And Tuk is like the youngest, so including Kiri, it would probably go Nateum, Loak, Kiri, and Tuk. They have a really interesting bond, and they're very accepting of that, but Spider, like I mentioned, is the son of the guy from the first movie, and so he's a human, like a full human, and Atiri's very hesitant and kind of against it. She still doesn't like humans because, I mean, they did try and, like, evict her people from their home. So she, even from the get-go when there are younger kids playing around, because Spider's the only, like, child. He's the only human child because he was too young to survive the journey back to Earth that is left on Pandora. So their kids are kind of the only people he can play with, and they have a really special bond. But the reason I'm also bringing up Spider apart from introducing him, is that he has an interesting relationship with Kiri. And where I was going with the CGI use for Kiri is if they have like a love story in the following sequels, it's kind of weird to think that it's going to be like Sigourney Weaver acting out a full love story with a guy who's in his like 20s. I don't know, just weird for me to think about. But we're introduced to their whole family and all of a sudden it gets dark. Everything seems great for the first like two minutes as it always does. And then we find out that the sky people, the humans are coming back and invading Pandora. 
And this time they are prepared. They just come guns blazing, burning down the forest. And the Ometsukaya, who is the tribe, the Navi tribe that we're introduced to through the first film, kind of doesn't really know what to do. But Jake knows that they're back for him. And him and Atiri decide that they need to basically go on the run and try and hide from these people. Otherwise, they're going to keep destroying their people's home and they just don't want everyone to suffer because of it. So they go to a different tribe, the Metkaina, who is the water tribe. So the Ometakaya was like the air tribe, I guess, because they like fly and they have the floating mountains and everything. But we're going to the water tribe. And so they basically seek sanctuary in this water tribe's village and the circumstances of their acceptance into the village is that they have to learn the ways of these people and avatar the way of water acts very much still as an introductory story you need to think of it knowing that the other sequels finish the story i think that what james cameron was doing here was introducing this entire other tribe that's going to be a huge part in the overall story and I think a lot of people's expectations weren't met because of that. They went in expecting these great battles, these massive scenes, and we have them. But in context, they're kind of just like these training montage sequences. Understandably, with a three and a half hour runtime, some of the scenes do drag a little bit. And that's okay. I enjoyed it. I loved the visual effects. I had a blast watching it. I didn't want the movie to end. For other people who don't have the same attention span or dedication, I understand why they felt like this movie dragged. And I think a lot of people were intimidated to see this movie because of its length in theaters. Three and a half hours, roughly. And you have like the trailers and everything. It was about four hours by the time you were out of that movie theater. So I don't think it really impacted the box office, obviously. I mean, it's currently, I think, the third highest grossing movie of all time. I mean... Another comment on that, we actually live in a time where Titanic was re-released and they're currently battling each other for between uh, the fourth and third highest grossing movie of all time. But I think that with Avatar The Way of Water, the interesting thing was that there isn't really a satisfying conclusion to the story. Like it kind of just keeps leaving it open-ended. This one more so than the first one, like this could have acted as Avatar 1 if we just didn't really introduce any of Jake Sully's backstory. Like, Avatar 1 could have been, like, branded as a prequel, and Avatar 2 could have been considered the start of the story. That's how I would view it, at least. But they start to learn the ways of the Metkayina people, and one of these includes this scene. The family starts learning the ways of the water people, and they don't really, the sons specifically, don't really fit in. They're kind of bullied by all the older boys in the tribe, and they keep getting berated by Jake. Jake, all of a sudden, I don't know if it was just he didn't seem like it in the first movie. He's just a dick in the second one in comparison to his person in the first one. And I get it. It's a decade later. He's an entirely different person. Like, he's a father now. So he's thinking about a lot of other things. Another common theme in this movie is family. And so I think that might have something to do with it. But it's really interesting to just kind of see the different ways of this tribe. I mean, there's different creatures as well. So we have like the banshees and basically all the creatures that you have from the first movie, they make their appearance. Like in the beginning, when you're with the Ametsukaya people, they're all there. But once you get to this water tribe, there's this entire new world that's introduced to you. And there's all these new creatures, including the Tolkien. And the Tolkien is this massive 
almost like a whale and they have calves as well. So they have a very interesting relationship with their animals. They're very close. In general, all of the Navi tribes have a very special bond with animals. So they're learning the ways and they're learning how to ride and kind of befriend and communicate with these different animals. They're learning how to hold their breath properly. And they shot these sequences underwater. Going back to kind of the behind the scenes of this, this movie was shot underwater. All the fight scenes that you see underwater, those actually are actors like acting that out. Every time they're swimming, those are actual actors underwater. Most of the time, movie productions would just have some type of green screen and CGI fill-in, and that would be that. But they actually filmed it, and I feel like that adds to the immersiveness of the movie. I mean, when they're taking strokes in the water, it looks like there's the resistance, and that feels more realistic. So when you're seeing this world around you and seeing the people interacting with it as they should in real life, it feels more realistic. It's gorgeous. You really do have to see it. Mind you, this just montage of them learning how to like communicate with these animals and learn the ways of the water tribe, it's about an hour of the movie of them just doing that. So I understand, again, this movie at times does drag. Did I enjoy all three and a half hours of it? Absolutely. Would I have sat for a little bit longer? Most likely, but I'll just wait for the next movies, I guess. I forgot to mention before they went to the Water Tribe, there was this whole invasion. Like I mentioned, the bad guys from the first movie have all come back, but in Avatar bodies. So they basically got into this toss-up with Jake and Atiri's kids in the forest, and they ended up capturing some of them, and they swapped them. But Spider, who is Quaritch's son, the main villain from the first movie, ends up being taken by them. And he's very resistant at first, but his entire plot is kind of him having this internal struggle between this is my dad or what would be his dad and wanting his allegiance and like loyalty to what he knows is right. Because these humans, again, they're trying to go for a resource of Pandora, which brings us further into the plot. After Spider kind of has this like bonding moment, he teaches his dad like the ways of Pandora, which is bad for Jake and Atiri and the water people and the Amantakaya. It's awful because it's basically giving away all their secrets. And now they know how to survive on Pandora. So let's go back to the water people. And let's talk about Loak a little bit. I haven't really given a lot of character discussion here. But Loak is one of Jake and Atiri's kids. He's the middle son. And he's very misunderstood. Jake is very hard on him. And one day, the water tribe boys take him out onto the reef, off the reef, actually, into like the deep ocean. And they leave him there as like a joke. And he forms this special bond with a Tolkien. It's an incredible scene. It's where you're introduced to the Tolkiens, basically. But there's this huge scene coming up, and the Tolkiens are a really important plot device, I think, for the characters, because it drives the final battle. The Tolkiens and their calves come and go from the village seasonally. So it's a very big deal, and each member of the tribe has like bonded with a Tolkien. So they go, it's like greeting a long lost friend and they're catching up. It's this beautiful scene. We have Kate Winslet. She broke a record with this movie. Her character has an incredible bond with a Tolkien. She just like emotional stakes driving and we'll get to it in a little bit. What happens with her and her Tolkien and her reaction to it is incredible. But Kate Winslet actually broke Tom Cruise's record for the longest breath hold underwater in a scene. Tom Cruise had a six-minute breath hold, and Kate Winslet topped it while filming this movie by holding her breath for seven minutes and 14 seconds. That is crazy. I can't even imagine 
but it pays off. Like I mentioned, when they're swimming through these sequences, it feels like they're swimming. It doesn't look fake. But anyway, the Tolkien's have come back. It's a very happy moment. And then we go back to the humans and their plan currently, as they're searching for Jake and Natiri, is to try and bait them out. And they have reason to believe that they're with the water people. And they know that the Tolkien's are a special creature to the water people. So they turn to a man who hunts Tolkien for sport. And you find out that there's this compound in them that's really, really expensive and goes for a lot of money back home. And so that's what they're basically hunting these Tolkien for. And you have this terrible scene where they're basically hunting them down and it hunts the mother with the calf because it knows that it won't leave the calf behind. And it's it's a very sad scene to watch. If you're an animal lover at all, you bond very quickly with these creatures. And it's just, again, there's a calf and then the mother's right there. It's not a great scene. And they play a very similar sounding score to when the entire village is burnt down from the, av- the first Avatar. I don't know. It was just a really emotional scene. I was on borderline tears. One of my friends was crying. Crazy stuff. But that drives us to the final battle. And the final battle is very just long, but incredible to watch because half of it, if not three-fourths of it, takes place underwater. And again, they actually had this massive set. They were swimming through it and performing all these stunts. And I mean, they're literally like fighting each other underwater. They have each, like Jake has Quaritch in like a chokehold underwater. And thinking that someone is having a, full on brawl while moving through the water with that resistance. Like it's crazy to just think about what they went through with this movie. And it's crazy to think about all the like risks and dangers that came with it. Basically, once the Tolkien are discovered, Jake is ready to retreat again because he doesn't want these people to suffer either because of him. And he knows they're looking for him at this point. So as this is going on, the kids leave the village And go find Loak's Tolkien, who I didn't mention this, but the Tolkien that Loak had met had been outcast from his tribe. And there was this special bond where the entire tribe was like, you can't bring him back. He's been outcast. And Loak's like, he shouldn't have to suffer for his mistakes. Like, he's sorry about it and all this stuff. It's very interesting, Loak's relationship with the Tolkien. It's one of my favorite moments and plots of the movie. But as they're out on the reef, the humans are coming back to hunt Loak's Tolkien. And... It ends up becoming this chase scene where the humans capture Jake and Atiri's kids, and that leads this huge battle. Because as they're getting captured, they radio into Jake, and Jake charges, and he's like, they have the kids, and the entire tribe rises to battle. So this huge battle ensues. And like I had just mentioned prior, they're battling underwater. Like, after they invade the ship, the ship starts sinking, they're in the water, they're chokeholding each other, they're drowning each other, they're banging into stuff. It's a crazy sequence. You have to see it on the biggest screen possible to fully appreciate it. But they end up victorious for the most part. Quaritch's avatar goes missing. They thought he was dead. Spider actually ended up saving him off camera away from Jake and Natiri and their family. And one of them actually passes away. I'm not going to go over the plot in huge, huge details here today because we do have a few other things that I want to talk about before our time's up. But I also want you to have a genuine experience watching this movie. If you haven't seen Avatar The Way of Water yet, I don't want you to get the emotional stakes and kind of aspect spoiled for you, as one of my friends did prior. And... There's a death that happens in Jake and Atiri's family in the final moments. I'm not going to tell you who, 
but one of the kids dies and it's a very emotionally bonding and turning moment. Natiri as a mother and Zoe Saldana's performance is incredible. Just it's so great. And the family is at a loss. Like they've had this huge loss to them and they don't want to bring this hurt to anyone else anymore. So the water tribe accepts them. And we kind of, again, leave on this optimistic note of what's to come. They finally have learned the ways of the water tribe. They are accepted into the colony. So what is to come? And James Cameron's mentioned what's to come in like Avatar 3 and stuff. And they're going to introduce a whole other Navi race, the Ash people. We'll get into it most likely in a year or two when it comes out. But I actually have a bit of a surprise for you guys today. Because I'm sure you guys are tired of hearing me just ramble on about the plot very sloppily, I might add. I've decided to kind of spice up the episode a little bit today. And me and Catherine were talking and we decided to invite two of my very good friends and two of our Patreon subscribers, actually, to discuss what they thought of Avatar The Way of Water. So we're going to go into a conversation with them. I'm going to get them on and I hope you enjoy. Again, if you guys are interested in possibly doing something like this in the future, you can subscribe to our Patreon for as little as a dollar a month. We really appreciated that and we thought a great way to reward it would just be to bring them on the show and I could talk to them. So let me get them right now. Hi, can you guys hear me? Yeah. Yeah. Hi, guys. Welcome to the show. We are so excited to have you guys. You guys are our first guests. Um, and first, I'm going to start off by saying thank you for being two of our Patreons. We are so appreciative and so thankful. Of course, if Catherine was here, she would also say it. But welcome to the show. I'm really excited to have you guys here. Do you guys like Avatar? Like, let's talk about that first. Do we <laughs> like Avatar just in general, the franchise? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it kind of speaks for itself. So I'm super excited to get into it. Absolutely. I mean, getting right into it. I'm I'm a big fan of Avatar. I loved the first movie. And then obviously I've seen this movie four times already. So big fan there. And then on top of that, you have a whole land at Animal Kingdom for Avatar and the ride. So big fan overall. Okay, good. I know some people aren't like fully sold on Avatar. Some people think the movies are too long. Some people think it's overhyped. Some people think it's too political, blah, blah, blah. It goes on for too long. But I'm glad to hear you guys are big fans. Tom, we saw the second one a couple times together. Trish, you just recently saw the second one, didn't you? Literally decided to go see it, watched Avatar 1 the next day, first showing, went to see it. So yeah, pretty recent. Um, definitely some fresh thoughts. Share with the class, what was your consensus on Avatar The Way of Water? I mean, the first question I'll start with, did you like Avatar or Avatar The Way of Water better? Oh, that's a hard one. Um, I mean, I should be able to answer this because I just saw them back to back. I'm going to say... The Way of Water, by the end, had me in tears. So to me, the emotions that a movie brings out really is kind of how I can decide if I enjoy it. And it definitely had me emotional. So I'm going to have to say Way of Water. Okay. And you, Tom? Yeah. I mean, similar to Trish, it's it's a tough call. I, I really do like both of them. And I mean, it's hard. You don't really have avatar the way of water without avatar being so popular and successful but i would lean towards the way of water myself as well that's fair i was just talking about earlier when i was talking about the plot how i didn't really realize until now thinking about it 
that if you look at Avatar as like a franchise, and I mean, we know that there's going to be three more sequels coming and you look at where the story is going, like the second one feels like it's a setting up movie. Like it could have been Avatar 1 had there not been like any of Jake's backstory, which then led me to say, well, Avatar, technically speaking, could have just been a prequel. And then we could have just started with the family in the second one. Exactly. Like I think... Avatar one, it's it's great world building and it and that's what I'm drawn in for is the world building and wanting more of that. And then Avatar two kind of delves into some more personal stories of the family aspect and things like that. And I fully agree with you. I I left it seeing the first time like it was setting up for something and I can't wait for what's coming, but I also really enjoyed what it was setting up and the process and the journey to get there. Yeah. What about you, Trash? I agree. I think for me, I loved the little kind of similarities and how the first one ended and then the second one ended in the exact same way. So now I'm going to be keeping this as a thought of, all right, we're going to end every single Avatar this way. Um, So we'll be interested to see that. I had similar thoughts that this was definitely one where you can see had a ton packed into it and really it gets to this point where the story just expands we're seeing way more of the world and everything so had that sense of ramping up for sure i think one of the big things with the second one too is that the first one is solely focused on jake and his relationship like with the navi and now that he's accepted into the navi and he started this life for himself it focuses on family and i think that family is the very big theme that's prevalent in the movie. And that kind of brings the heart and it brings a lot of the character motivation and drive and just a lot of the intensity of Jake's character specifically. I mentioned a little bit earlier before you guys got on that Jake was kind of a dick in the second one in comparison to the first one. His personality like completely shifted. I think, (laughs) I mean, I... I'm definitely when it thinks of themes that kind of get me is friendship and the concept of found family. So I loved the representation of having a family in so many different ways and what that meaning is. So I could see the growth that his character has. I mean, he's now stepped into this role and really making these decisions that are hard, but you can see his motivations of why he's making them. So those themes mixed with kind of the development they took his character definitely were noticeable. Yeah. And I mean, it is kind of funny, like what you said, he is, he's a lot more, you know, assertive or or like short in this second one. But I think it also just really shows that like he has a family and he actually has something he cares about or something to lose. And and it kind of shows some fear and that changed his personality. Because I mean, in the first one, he's a Marine grunt. His brother died. He's only there because his brother died. He can't even walk. He's in a wheelchair. So he's kind of on this like gung-ho, live life to the fullest. I've got nothing to lose. Let me just enjoy what I'm doing. I can finally walk. I'm in an avatar body, like whole new experience. Let me just go crazy with it. And in this one, it's he's he's got a family. He's got, you know, a tribe. He's He's got these deep relationships. And I think it kind of shows like he, he's scared underneath of like, I don't want to mess this up. I don't want to lose it. I like this life a lot better than the life I had going for me. So he kind of reverts to like a very serious, you know, father figure, no nonsense and wanting to kind of keep everyone in line. But I like that. I like that it shows like a change in him. I I don't want him to be the same person he was in Avatar 1. I want it to keep progressing and, and changing and being dynamic like that. 
Right. I agree. I mean, the movie picks up like a decade later or over a decade later. So the time that we've experienced personally between Avatar 1 and 2, they also experienced as well. And there obviously are going to be a lot of characteristic changes. And I mean, the whole concept of bringing him into fatherhood, I mean, that does change someone. So it wasn't surprising. But the big focus of this movie, I think, kind of put the spotlight on their kids, which leads me to think that the kids are kind of going to be the central storyline moving forward. But before we talk about the kids a little bit, I'm going to warn you guys, when I was going over the plot, I mentioned one of the kids dies, but I didn't say which one. Due to the fact that, Trish, you told me your story that your (laughs) sister spoiled who died for you. And I mean, you still cried, but I personally said, I'll tell you one of the kids dies, I won't tell you which one because I want you to be able to emotionally digest that moment on your own when you actually do see it. So with that in mind, let's talk about the kids a little bit. What were you guys' thoughts on them? So thank you for the setup. I will give a shout out that I love my sister dearly. And unfortunately, yes, it did get spoiled, but that's okay. I still, as I mentioned, had an emotional reaction to this movie and it really hit home for me. I love just as I mentioned that the community and what it means to have super strong relationships and what it means to be family. So I related to a lot of those bonds and the connection that you see with the kids, especially when they're, you know, sticking up for each other and having to do the hard things and call each other out in some situations. So I think for me, it was very relatable in having siblings and having close relationships where you have to make those types of decisions. And I enjoyed how they all kind of had their own differences. They all had things that made them unique and you could see the different personalities, but still things that you can tell those similar values that kept them together. And it's clear they are close overall. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of funny, Trish. It's it's almost like we're related because we have similar thoughts in that aspect. It's like coming from a, a larger family and having those sibling relationships and the dynamic between them. Like deep down in our core, we're we're very similar, but we also have such vast differences and i think that does show and it's displayed pretty well in their family as well like the youngest just wants to be included and be along for the ride even though she can't really offer anything at that point except be a hindrance um i think we've all been there not being the oldest child like just wanting to be a part of it but not really offering anything but then you have the oldest brother trying to i don't know i took it as like trying to be like his dad trying to be kind of in control of the kids when his dad's not around or trying to kind of keep them in line or keep keep the order and then you know he got the the younger brother the the younger son who's kind of wanting to fly by the seat of his pants wants to do what he wants and kind of live his own life and then shout out to Sigourney Weaver playing a teenager loved that and then her just kind of like being in tune with nature and being a little different from everyone and it being pointed out but she doesn't really waver from that and so I really liked seeing the dynamic of of how they're they're different but you still deep down can you know their their relationships are really tight and their bonds are tight and they they really do care for each other even though some points it's like you know the the people that you fight with the most or that you hate the most in that moment are your own siblings yeah i completely agree and i do think that giving them their distinct personalities really is shown and it's very vivid and you can kind of tell them apart like i think that's why you form such an emotional attachment to all of them because they're all so unique and even though they're usually on camera together with each other 
they all bring something different to a conversation. So you're able to kind of separate them from each other. And you have these personal relationships forming with them. And obviously, I mean, Kiri is a very interesting situation. I already talked about how she's Grace's daughter. But I think the concept of having her and then Spider as well, who is the son of one of the humans that basically tried to evict the Navi, like, it's a huge thing because Grace was this giant Navi advocate. And I think that her daughter feels a little bit of this inner conflict. But at the same time, Spider grew up with them. So they don't really like he's like a second or a third brother to them. So I think her relationship with him is interesting. I'm curious to see. I already mentioned it if they get like romantic because filming that behind the scenes would be really funny. Just knowing that like Sigourney Weaver would be filming these scenes with like a 20 year old. That would Def- be hilarious. But- Definitely not something I thought of, but I can see what you mean of some of the the seeds that they're planting for potential development and how is the story going to shift? Who's going to be, or who in, as a group collectively are going to be the ones to mainly continue this story. And they definitely have given themselves a lot of options. Yeah, and I think with Kiri's powers kind of coming to light towards the end of the movie, specifically when she starts to gain a bit more of a control of them, I feel like that's going to become a huge part of somewhere in the plot over the next three movies. It's going to come back up again. But we want to talk about the Oscars coming up on this podcast because we're currently on Road to the Oscars. So out of all the Best Picture nominees, have you guys like seen the majority of them? Do you have any favorites? What are What are your thoughts on the Oscars this year? I'm going to default first by saying, no, I have not. (laughs) So I'm going to let Tom and Sean take over the majority of this conversation. In your defense, Trish, I will will stick behind you here. I feel you've seen my favorite. (laughs) And so at least you can say that. And, And I'll be fully upfront. I, my favorite and what I'm really hoping will win will be everything everywhere all at once. That like looking back on the past year and, I've seen a lot of movies. That one, like the emotions I felt and how much it resonated with me, no other movie kind of compared to that. So that's what really stuck out as just my favorite movie from the past year. And there are some some close ones behind that I had like a really tight top three. But yeah, Everything Everywhere All at Once was my favorite and what I'm really hoping wins. I haven't seen all of the Best Picture nominees. I am kind of trying to work my way through it along with, you know, your road to the Oscars is I'm trying to work my way through some of those movies. But for me, it just kind of stands above with everything everywhere all at once just kind of stands above the rest. That's fair. I mean, that is one of our favorites on this show. We already did our episode and we have nothing but praise for it. Trish, did you like everything everywhere all at once now that I know you've seen that one? Oh my gosh, I loved it. And it's funny because Tom, I saw it because of you. You said this movie changed my life. You should see it. And when someone says that to me, I'm going to believe them. Um, And as I mentioned, liking to be emotionally moved by movies, I was moved in every way pretty much by that movie. So on the same page, um, even though I have not seen all of the others, I stand firmly behind the amazingness of that one. Okay, well, that's fair. Before we wrap up our little Avatar discussion, I'm now going to ask you, on a scale of 1 to 10, what would you rate Avatar The Way of Water? I will have Trish go first. Oh, gosh. Okay. I'm not the best at going first on this. I think one time you asked me to rate something, and I gave it a very low rating, but that's because my scale is different, I would say. I am going to give it... 
a 6.5. I'm not going to go straight 6, not going to go 7, 6.5. Okay. Can I ask why a 6.5? Like, why not higher? Why not lower? I think just when I think of movies overall and where I rank some other movies that I would give without a question, nine tens, this is just where it falls. So definitely loved it and thought it was, you know, a good movie visually, emotionally. It's above mid for you. It's above mid for me. And even if you would ask me a movie that I said, this is mid, this will probably help. I would probably say that was a three, four as my mid. So if that helps, it is on the higher end. I'll, I'll take that. How about you, Tom? Yeah, I mean, a little higher than Trish, but I'd really sit around a seven for it. It's it's definitely enjoyable. Obviously, I've seen it four times. And I will say, an over three-hour runtime, it does not feel like that. It is one of the quickest runtimes I've felt. I, the story keeps me engaged pretty much throughout, even on multiple rewatches. So it's not like it drags for certain points. It's entertaining overall and i really do enjoy it but it also you know you kind of know what you're going to get from it and it's it's kind of geared towards everyone and so while i do really enjoy it it's not something that blows me away it's not something that like i've said earlier like moves me incredibly like emotionally yes you have you know the death and you care for the characters and like you you have those you know you don't want them to go and then when when like one of the characters dies, yeah, you, you feel sad, but nothing that kind of got to my core, nothing that really moved me emotionally. Uh, I really do enjoy it. Definitely going to be rewatching it for years to come. So I, I'd say it sits around a seven. Very enjoyable, but nothing that is top tier for me. Okay. I mean, do you guys agree that it's nominated for a best picture? Like, do you think it warrants being in the top 10 films of the last year to be released? I think definitely. I mean, just from an experience that's what it is it's truly an experience like you sit and watch this film and so many senses are going at once i feel just from even a visual perspective right music emotions character so many things that move it so i think there was a lot of hype and build up and expectation so it makes sense why it is um among the top for me after it's now come out for me I can see it getting in, but I think it's kind of on the lower end of what I would consider a best picture nominee. I don't expect it. It's not on my radar to win. Um, I can see why it kind of got in. You know, there is a, a lot of, like you can tell, there's a lot of passion that went into this. The VFX is amazing. Like seeing it on a big screen, especially seeing it in Dolby, like we did, it, it it's visually amazing and i can sit there and watch it and i loved what i was seeing but from like a best picture nominee perspective i can see why i got in but it's on the lower end of those 10 for me okay i can respect that um before we go i'm gonna ask you i know i said this before but i promise this is the last one would you rather question for the road would you rather be a part of the forest navi tribe from the first one or the water tribe from the second one I would be going with the forest for sure. I think I'd be going with the water. 
Okay. Well, I'm glad to know that I have friends in both. So um, <laughs> thank you so much for your time, guys. I hope you guys had fun. Um, and again, thank you so much for being Patreons. We hope to offer stuff like this again in the future for other Patreons. So if you are not also a Patreon like Trish and Tom over here, you can subscribe on our Patreon for as little as a dollar a month, just so you know. Um, but thank you so much, guys. Have a great night and I will talk to you guys soon. Thanks. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having us on. It made my day like i've told you so thank you so much this was a lot of fun and definitely look into subscribing to the patreon because it is definitely worth it thank you thank okay you. now i have to do my re my exit that was beautiful talk <laughs> yeah you gotta you gotta give me something trash okay i thought i was just saying goodbye okay um no thank you for the opportunity honestly um it was kind of funny tom and i were talking about what it would ever be like if with the Patreon, we would be able to do a little guest star, you know, when you're manifesting and thinking of things. So this was quite literally a manifestation and dream come true. So thank you. I don't really have a comment on that manifestation apart from incredible, incredible. Thank you so much, guys. That was awesome. I'm really glad we got to finally get some of the Patreon subscribers on. Um, Tom and Trish are great friends of mine. They are brother and sister, if you guys didn't pick up on that. And it was really fun finally getting some guests on the podcast. Those were our first guests. And again, I hope that you were able to bear with my ramblings in the beginning of this episode. And as per the last few movies, actually, I didn't really go into the plot in like depth. I kind of just gave you the plot. So I am not really capturing the essence, but Avatar kind of sells itself. Like you're not going for the plot. You're going to just be immersed and stimulated by everything around you. So I'm really glad we got to talk to Tom and Trish about that. And we actually posted on the Instagram story asking you guys to share some of your Avatar hot takes or thoughts and opinions, um, as well as your Oscars hot takes. And I'm happy to talk about some of them, starting with the Avatar ones that we got. We had, I'll read you the first two responses we got. One person said, I cry so much. And yes, many people, if you can't tell, have been crying in Avatar The Way of Water. So if you would like to see a movie that may or may not make you cry, see Avatar The Way of Water. Another one, it's in second place for best picture for me after everything, everywhere, all at once. The CGI is unbelievable. I agree with the CGI part. And like I mentioned, just the way that they filmed this and how it was actually in the water, like that adds to the realism. And I think that that's a really important part. It's interesting, this is from Julia that said that, sorry if you didn't want to be name dropped, but it's interesting that you say that it's second best picture choice for you, Julia, because another person who responded to the Oscars hot takes said Avatar being nominated for best picture is a joke. I don't agree with that, which brings me into my rating. Um, so let me tell you guys my rating. I'm going to give Avatar The Way of Water a solid eight, an eight out of 10. I think that adding the family dynamic to this movie and this franchise over the first movie really was a powerful move for the narrative. It helped move the story forward and kind of establish where the plot is going, I think, and kind of the motivation. I think that's the that's a good word for it, motivation. It's really important to it. Do I think it deserves to be nominated for a Best Picture? Yes, I do. I think that as with the first Avatar, the technological achievements of the second Avatar 
demand that it be seen and it must be seen on a big screen. And that's why it hasn't been released digitally or anything for this. And that's honestly part of the reason why Catherine wasn't able to go and see it was because they only were offering it in theaters. And for most of the showtimes, it was in 3D and Catherine doesn't see 3D movies, which brings me to my next point and probably final point before I sign off here. Catherine sent me a quote to read to you guys for her thoughts on the movie. She said, if there was any film I didn't feel like dedicating over three hours of my time to this year, it was definitely Avatar. I saw the first one when it came out, and I honestly couldn't tell you a single thing that happened in that film except the blue people doing weird things with their hair. Plus, 3D movies give me a headache, but that's a me problem. Without giving away my Oscar rankings that we'll cover later in the season, it still ranks above Elvis. I cannot wait to have that discussion with her. Um, I want to see if she rates it higher than... uh, She can't even rate it. I'm not going to let her rate it. She didn't see the movie. Catherine, if you're listening to this, you don't get to rate Avatar when we do our final ratings. Sorry. But with that, I'm going to go ahead and say thank you so much to Tom and Trish for just being great on here and being Patreons. Again, so thankful. We'll never... Say we'll never say thank you enough um, to any of our Patreons or any of our listeners, really, even if you're not a Patreon. Thank you for listening. Um, but if you guys enjoyed today's episode, go ahead and give us a follow at BTST Podcast on Instagram. And if you have any film suggestions for us, you want to let us know what you thought about Avatar The Way of Water, any of the other Best Picture nominees or any movies that you've been checking out, go ahead, shoot us an email at btstpodcast at gmail.com. Be sure to subscribe if you enjoyed today's episode and... If you go ahead and leave us a Spotify rating, that will help us greatly, and we would really appreciate it. Not even Spotify, any of your listening platforms, whatever you're listening to, go ahead, give us a rating. We really appreciate it. And if you don't have a nice rating, please give us feedback so we know how we can be better. We also, as we're going into Oscars weekend, will be releasing the remaining episodes over the course of the next week. And we still have our giveaway going on. So if you guys would like to be entered into a drawing to win a $25 AMC gift card, go ahead and share any of our posts and make sure that you tag us so we know who you are. Um, And that will count as one entry. Or if you are a Patreon subscriber, you can be a subscriber for as little as a dollar a month. I know I've said it a lot this episode. I apologize. But that will also be another entry for you. And join us next time where we'll be discussing Triangle of Sadness, which I'm really excited to talk about. It's one of my top contenders for the Oscars this year. And Catherine will be back for that one. And with that, I'm Sean, and this has been another episode of Been There, Seen That. Thanks for listening. (laughs) 